0: I'll be too nervous to. I'm probably lost for words. Hello and welcome to another edition of the Lost Words podcast. It is the DFS show, and I'm here with Matt Vincenzi. Matt, hello. Hey Tom, how was your uh, week at, at Heritage? It could have been great. It could have been really great, uh, but the the sixth guy in most of the time absolutely killed me um and that was tough and Shane Lowry not winning hurt um because I was pretty happy with him um from a betting perspective and it feels like he's now not taken that window that I kind of spoke of it felt like that's been narrowing for a little while now um it was weird i think we made some really good calls uh, down the bottom in the 6k range i think we were you know we'd made some nice stuff we'd certainly played the ideas well which is probably my actual own construction more than anything but i guess that the worst one i was on at the top was dj i thought dj could do something good you kind of mentioned that that the course form wasn't great i mean the closest i came was like the worst it would have been the worst six of six and and fitzpatrick put the end to that as well so uh yeah it was it was a tough week but um i guess some of the guys were kind of predictable but i didn't see speed winning i've got to be honest
1: Ah, I didn't at all either. Um, I was pissed because I had a six out of six, and it wasn't the best one, but it didn't cash, and it was only, I think, 9 or 10% of lineups had six out of six. So when that happened, you really expect to cash, and um, it wasn't the best. It was Connors, Berger, Horschel, Kim, Fratelli, Sloan. But all six guys got through, and um, so you'd, you'd hope maybe Connors and Horschel didn't really have a great day on Sunday, and I thought they really had a chance to um billy shot even i thought he had a great a bunch of great looks so that fratelli you know what that fratelli two-stroke penalty probably cost me cash because <laughs> yeah. I, was, I was right on the edge of it so
0: that was uh, one of, that was one of the wildest things i've ever seen like, i didn't really i was out last night i didn't really comprehend what it is that he'd done i just saw that he was like i should have made par and and i didn't and i just saw him wet this thing out of the tree i was like i don't even know what just happened i need to watch that again Watched it again yeah. that was rough um there were some hero performances on sunday right like cameron davis um JT poston uh Straka played well over the weekend um there was some good stuff so I think there's some good look ahead uh form there obviously we're not not quite going to be into that with the Zurich classic this week uh slightly different format I think people that listen to this show are probably aware of what the Zurich classic is now uh team event but for maybe those that aren't familiar with the the scoring and particularly the drafting scoring map what do they need to uh, look out for
1: so a couple things. The first thing that was that I think is, I don't know if a bit, a bit strange, but I looked at the pricing already and I remember last year and supposedly you can't take two guys from the same team. So I was messing around with lineups a few minutes ago and they were letting me take two guys from the same team. So I don't, know if that has to be fixed. Um, but I know either way that it, yeah, they can't allow you to take both because you'd get points for both of them and um, it wouldn't work. So, so basically how it works is each of the golfers on the same team are going to receive the same, fantasy points as, as each other. For, for instance, if, you know, Cantlay makes a bogey with um, or a birdie with Shoffley, they both get the points for the birdie. So regardless of who you pick, it makes no difference. You're pick, you're picking one guy per team. Um, we have Thursday, Thursday, Saturday is four ball, which is going to be the really scoring one you're going to need to shoot, you know, 64 or better on those days. And then you get Friday, Sunday for alternate shot, um, which does provide an interesting, uh, exciting Sunday. But that's basically it. Um, so big thing is no two players from the same team, and each guy gets the same amount of points, regardless yeah. of format.
0: Which means that people are going to be looking to take the uh, you know the cheaper version of each team, right? Um,
1: but the pricing is like, going to be the, the same, though. The pricing is the same, right? No, the pricing yeah. is the
0: same. So, um, so in that case, then how do you vary it? Because I guess people are just going to try and. I just thought you could get smart with, like, Ryan Palmer and take him cheap into Sheffler, but no, they're both kind of 9,700. So, uh, Ryan Palmer, by the way, the best uh, Zurich recruiter of anybody before. He's had Spieth, Rahm, and Sheffler as his partners. Uh, in this event. Any idea
1: why on that? Why do I want to play with him?
0: I-, I just imagine he's either got some some dirt on them or he's got a really big house with really nice food that he puts them up for the week because I do not know why else Ryan Palmer would be a factor. Um yeah no idea really but interestingly enough like last I I felt like this was easier before to kind of from a betting perspective I remember Billy Horshaw and Scott Pearcey won right and and I kind of just said well I think it was Pearcey that was ball striking out of his mind that year and and all he needed was some putts to go in I was just very very easily just went you know back then too because Horshaw would knock his putts in whereas this time around I've kind of been looking for those kind of partnerships and it hasn't kind of presented itself stats wise uh I felt like maybe Fleetwood and Sergio I'm sure we'll come on to at some point maybe a candidate for that at the moment but um it doesn't seem like a really obvious candidate for at the moment
1: well I know I don't want to give any spoilers away but how about Lowry who's been striking the hell out of it and needs to make some clutch putts on a Sunday and Polter can do that I don't know if he can do much else but
0: yeah I mean it's around the green as well which is where Lowry has kind of been falling down recently right um you know it's it's tough. I think it's one of those ones where you're going to have to take some take some stances down the bottom, which is going to be scary considering the people that these guys are going to be playing with, um, but, but we'll work our way through it. I'm going to learn as much as, uh, as the guys that are listening as we go along because I've not had a ton of time to look at this, um, but I think there's some sneaky good uh, teams in here that we can uh, look to, but... First of all, top uh, top guys, no surprise here. Victor Hovland and Collin Morikawa appear together. Uh, number well, they were number two and three in the world when they when they paired it together. I can't remember exactly where they rank now, but um, what do you expect from this pairing? Because they've both got a short game weakness. I know it's one around a green, one with the putter, but you know they're going to ball strike It's death between them. But you know they've got to get the ball in the hole, so it's going to be interesting to see what they do.
1: It's it's going to be interesting. I mean. You know, I've gone on here a couple of times and said, like with Scheffler as the highest price player at the Masters, I'm am not, not looking to go to him because I think there's some enough value and players who can do just as well elsewhere. I feel the same way this week. So, does that mean these guys are gonna win by eight shots? Maybe, but <laughs> I I'm I'm not gonna be playing them. Um, I understand they obviously could play very well. I get that, but I think with these team events, sometimes there there has to be more than just okay, these are these are the two best players, and um i don't know if they have that i think this skill set isn't all that similar they're probably gonna be playing from different spots in the fairway that they're not used to playing from um their distances are pretty different so i think sometimes similarity is just as important as skill in this in this type of event
0: yeah it's good like you say it's i remember will's had a on song's a podcast before about um playing with it's been cameron champ maybe in the walker cup and he sort of said like you know I'm going to completely waste your tee shot because I have never played from this yardage before I do not know how to hit this 80 yard pitch shot I'm normally playing from 120 yards and and that's gonna be a factor for Colin right like he's he would love to have the, the distance that Victor has and you know Paul Victor would probably like to have some of his clutch game as well but you know it is something that they need to get used to and I'm sure they've kind of played together and figured it out in, the, in recent weeks but um there's still stuff to be uh, figured out on the course I guess.
1: Yeah, do you think you're gonna play them? No, because I yeah. just
0: I, I think that I think if if it had worked like I thought it was gonna work and you'd got a cheaper player from each team and I could have you know put one of them in and sandwiched a cheaper guy from from a top team in then yeah but um, when when you have to pay the same price for the top guys then then no definitely not and then I feel kind of the same about Cantley and, and Xander as well but I mean, you know Cantley. Sprung back into form last week. I think that's fair to say. Um, obviously, got himself in that playoff, but Xander is, you know, as is worrying, isn't he? And, you know, when he starts missing cuts, which is something he's not accustomed to, um, you do wonder where his game's at.
1: Yeah. And this this team kind of, you know, they've had some chances to play together. They haven't done much in, um, you know, in multiple, in different formats. Um, and they, they really haven't done what you expect them to do. I think both guys are, their skill sets don't really. Um, you know, come to fruition here in this type of event where you're going to shoot a 64 on one of the days. Like, I think Xander is better built to make those tough pars and play on these tougher courses. And um, he's just not playing well. Cantley, you know, the thing is, I was impressed with him because I think he was contending last week with his C plus B minus game, uh, which is good. But I don't know if that is the type of thing you want here. Um, And that this team has just never really impressed me all that much. I'm sure they can play fine, but uh, I don't don't think they're going to win this one.
0: Yeah, I mean, even like when you go back to Xander and, and uh, Cantley at the Ryder Cup, I mean, they beat Rory and, and Poulter, but they kind of beat themselves, right? And and yeah. even like Westwood and Fitzpatrick, they beat them two and one. But again, that was just a very, very weak team. I think that they were more impressive when they kind of split up. And, you know, it was Johnson and Chauffele. And, you know, it, it's, it's tough to really tell what it is. And I just think, again, probably quite similar uh skill sets to an extent but also like you say Xander like grows into an event and he can't afford to grow into an event here he needs to be rocking straight away on thursday so he's another one i'm going to go to then you've got the all aussie pairing um of of leishman and cameron smith it's not for me cameron smith looks like he needs to uh to take a couple of weeks off and, and hasn't i think he's probably just doing mark leishman a solid here because uh he was horrible at the heritage
1: yeah he was he was bad and um he looked bad for the most part, you know, on Sunday at, at Augusta, too. And he's been playing great and he's accomplished a lot. And that player's win was huge. And I just think you see this happen all the time with most players, you know, right now, not named Scotty Scheffler. Once you take that big step forward in your career, it comes with a little half a step back. And that's where he's at right now. He won this last year. I don't see him winning again. I, I do think they have great chemistry as a team. Um, but even last year, I mean, Louis and Charles kind of let them into it um, when they didn't really have to. Louis goes. In the water, right on eight uh, on the playoff, and um, yeah, I, I'm with you. Those first three teams, I'm not going to be playing. It's the next team that I really have more interest in.
0: So this is the the team of Burns and Horshaw right? And, yep. And this was so in our um, lost the words betting uh, group. I, I just put that they're the most likely winners. Like, I just I just I really do think that they are the most likely winners. I'm going to be betting them. Um, I, I think that there's they're a team that are the most motivated to do it. I think they work well together as they've shown in the uh, in the other shootout, a QBU shootout as well. So, um, yeah, I think those two for me complement each other perfectly. Uh, a little bit of an extra distance from Sandburns compared to what Horshill's used to, but I think Horschel copes well with that. And I just think that they they play each other well, you know. And going back to Cameron Smith just quickly, he's actually won this twice, <laughs> and with with two different partners, one with Jonas mm-hmm. Blix as well. But you know that 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 for me is is a weird thing that I think people might get too hung up on, and maybe. This is similar to a week off for Cameron Smith in the fact that there's no real pressure to it, and he just enjoys it and just goes out and plays well with his buddy. But you've got to take a stance in this event, and I think that the best thing to do is to start with Burns and Horschel, which I don't think is going to be, um, you know, too unique at this stage.
1: I'd imagine they'd be the most popular. Um, haven't really seen anything yet, but but I would I would definitely imagine that to be the case. I mean, Horschel's won here twice—one individually and one yep. as part of a team. So I mean, both both Southern guys, both great Bermuda putters. They they were uh, fourth tied for fourth last year. I thought going into Sunday they're kind of the team to beat, and they didn't quite do enough to win. But they were they only finished two shots out of the playoff. Uh, they yeah I agree with you. They're the team to beat. Um, yeah, that's all I got.
0: Yeah, I, I think when you look at this event like there's people are going to get too in their head about the kind of approach like and a little bit like I did from a betting angle a couple of years ago. That you're looking for guys that one one strikes the ball well, one putts well. And I think, you know, that's not going to be, that's going to be obvious to people. And I think they're priced correctly for that in betting. And I think they're probably priced correctly for this in here as well. And I think what you've actually got to do is just strike right at the top and then you can kind of filter down. I mean, we're going into the range now of Scotty Sheffield and Ryan Palmer. I mean, they're cheap, really, at 9,700. I mean, Ryan Palmer is one with John Rahm in the past. Um, you know, if he's just going to ride the coattails of, Of world number ones for the rest of his career that's not a bad way to keep his card um but just looking at his performance since you know he's been in this event fourth first and seventh um okay he's always had the world number one by his side or or a future or current world number one but you know ryan palmer does pick his play as well and i think they will have a good chance of of competing again yeah
1: actually 2018 um i bet Rahman Palmer, I saw him at 18 to one, and I just, I always remember it. I was just thinking, Rahm's the best player in this field. Why are they 18 to one? And it's because I think people are reading too much into the partner not being up to the first guy's level. But sometimes you don't have to be. And Palmer, I guess,
0: you know, evidently is a, a good teammate. I think he kind of goes with the flow. Um, I think he's the one of those volatile scorers, right? They can just make birdies in a bunch as well. So maybe when a Scheffler or Rahm are not living up to their kind of expected, you know, um, performances, he can just kind of rattle off those birdies and then when they're having a bad hole, he can scrape par as well. So I, I think that, I think he plays, I don't think this is why he's picked. I don't think people think, oh, he's a perfect partner in terms of performance. There must be something else. I don't know if he's, you know, say he's got dirt on someone, but, um, but yeah, I think he does his part. And I think you see in these, um, you know, team events that some of the most unlikely people are really good. Like Scott Brown and Kevin Kisner are good friends and they have finished runner up. Like, you know, it does just happen. It is, its it's such a unique event, and I enjoy it. I actually think it's a nice little break, but it is hard from a betting and DraftKings perspective to kind of get a real grasp on who's going to play well. I think
1: I, I actually despise the four-ball days, but the Sunday alternate shot is awesome. Yeah, because there's real pressure there, and you know you don't want to let your partner down, and it actually gets tough. I I I think that part is part of this awesome. Um, Scheffler and Palmer, in terms of playing them, I they definitely could go well, and I, I think maybe if you want to do a little stack up here. Um, because they're cheap enough to allow that with two of these higher-priced teams you could do that and i do think they'll play pretty well i don't necessarily think they're going to win you know i'll lead crow just like i always do with scheffler but i mean he's got to slow down at some point just won the masters is he gonna win five out of seven stars i i'll say he's not gonna again and if i'm wrong i'm wrong but the only tough part about that that high-priced stack is it just it gets real dicey in the 6k this week
0: yeah yeah it does it's it's horrendous, actually. Like there's names down there you wouldn't want to play individually, and then put them together as a team. is probably actually even worse. There's not, there's not like you can kind of ride the coattails of one of them and feel confident. They are all, you know, str- I mean, there's some names, right? There's, there's probably we don't need to shit on a whole range of players, but um you know, <laughs> it's most. It, awesome. it is most of them, and they're, they're not guys I'd feel great about individually. Like there's, there's players that you kind of hoped would would latch on to better partners and still haven't managed to do that. So. I think you want to look in the low sevens as opposed to the 6K more often this week.
1: Yeah, I mean, you got to find your last year. It was Uline and Warenski. Those are the two uh, Massachusetts guys. I'm from Massachusetts. And those are the guys who, you know, would carry that lineup to a victory because they came in third place and they were probably one of the cheaper teams on the slate. So you got to... And there's nothing that... They're in a little better form than they are now. They're both playing pretty horribly now. But, you know there wasn't that much pointing to it. So there is some randomness to this event.
0: I think they could be okay. Just, you know, just a little spoiler alert to lower down the range. I think Uline actually lost in the playoff until roots go on the Corn the Uh Didn't play great in the Kralis or the Texas Open. But I think that he, you know, they they obviously like each other. I remember them, I think there was my dropkick Murphys, which is a reference that doesn't mm-hmm. mean anything to me. I think that might be something that you might be aware of. But, um, yeah. you know, the, the, there's obviously a, a comfortability there. And that's all you need with this thing. Like, they're all... Especially in the, the four ball, like you mentioned, it's boring because if you give a team two chances at it, someone's gonna make a good score, right? They're all professional golfers, so we don't need to see that all the time. But when it comes to to the alternate shot on the Sunday, that's when that's when we're cooking with gas and uh yeah, I think that's let's, let's let's crack back onto nine K before we get too far into that. But um mentioned that, you know, at the top of the show, Shane Arony and Ian Poulter. So, I don't love it as a team. Like I don't I, I know that they're they're both guys that get up for it. I think Shane is going to be exhausted. Um, I know that Poulter picks him up in the areas that he has been struggling in a little bit. Um, I just don't know if Shane Lowry's just going to be so devastated. I mean, I'm sure he'll be fine. Polter's probably quite a good guy to pick him up, but Poulter's pretty devastated about where he's in his own game right now, I think, as well.
1: Yeah, they both definitely need something. I mean, Lowry, he, I saw he tweeted he's, he was uh, you know in good, in good spirits, but I agree with you. He probably can't be. Um, he man, he has three top three finishes in his last five starts. And I think all three really had a chance to win. I thought he was the best player last week. I, I was scared he was going to win. I was happy because I knew you had out right on him. So I was, I was was rooting for that. But for my personal, I was saying, man, I've been on this guy for four weeks or whatever. And he hasn't been able to come through. now he's right when I'm off, he's going to, but I think I like them. I'm going to, I'm going to be playing them. I, I still like them. I think Lowry's just playing so well, um, You know, and you kind of can make a contrast here. I looked into this a bit. Cam Smith's form last year coming into this event was very similar to what Lowry's form is now. He was close but couldn't get through. I think he had, you know, three or four, three top fives in his last five or six starts. And he was kind of showing it. I think Lowry is in that spot now Um Maybe it's his last chance at the win. Even though I don't know if this would really satisfy what he wanted to get done, probably not. That is that is definitely a concern. But Polter needs it. Um, I think they. Polter
0: really needs it. Like he's, I mentioned it before the Masters. I think maybe even with you that like he needs to get back into this these big events. And this is the only way. Like if he doesn't start doing something soon, I don't think he's got many exemptions. Like he's not one majors or players or you know he's won WGCs a long time ago. But I don't think he's automatically in things anymore and i think he could lose his card like that's not that's not a given i mean it was only two or three years ago that he was faking brian gay i think with a case of wine or vice versa about some FedEx cup uh, situation i had going on so you know it's getting dicey for him, poulter i mean shane larry's not so much like he'll he'll come back to form you know even if he loses it but yeah and i don't think it was satisfied but uh, yeah poulter definitely needs a spark and this would be it
1: and yeah two-year exemption he would get which is which is great um, and I think these guys will probably the next group I'm going to talk about to both these teams, I think is going to be a real nice ownership pivot. I don't think ever, a lot of people are going to be going to Lowry Poulter and then the next team, which is my favorite team on the board and who I've bet to win. I think I'm going to be the only person betting this team to win because I'll just start now with, with Fleetwood and Garcia. Um, the price is not what I wanted it to be. It's not what I expected it to be. It's a, it's a shitty price. It is. and uh, draftings, it is and outright market. It is. I, it's not what I wanted, um, and I think you're paying a lot for that name value. But but I think it's good, these, though.
0: I think that's good for this. It's bad it's for testing it, this. but
1: it's good for this. It's great for this. No, one, no one's going to play him. Uh, and I really think they could win. And um, both these guys are in great form. They finished second here together the year Ram and Palmer won it. So they've played together already before. I think the, la- I think the other time there might have been some travel issues during the... Uh, so,
0: so the year before, so Fleetwood finished fourth as well. I can't remember if that was with Poulter as well, or if he had a different partner.
1: I don't know who he was with that year. I think, um, yeah, me, I don't know. Let me know he...
0: that while you're giving some more reasons. Yeah. Uh,
1: I mean, both these guys are in great form. Look at uh, what Tommy Fleetwood has been doing. And I know it statistically it hasn't been great. Um, but for this, I don't really care as much about that. Uh, last six starts, hasn't finished worse than 22nd. And he's he's been it's been gradually getting better. 10th at Heritage. Um, And you know what a big thing that I thought was important to kind of look at was his 64 on Saturday Because those types of rounds is when you know Fleetwood is back because he goes low that one day And that's also exactly what you need for this format Get go low make some birdies you can make a couple of you know mess ups if you need to So I think it's a really good format for him You know and both these guys separately I think are part of two of the best Ryder Cup teams in in recent history You have the Sergio Raman and the Fleetwood Molinari These guys are good at team team golf um, and Sergio was third in, third in the field in approach at the Masters, so those irons, I think, are back.
0: Yeah, and it was Chris Paisley that Tommy Fleetwood played and they finished fourth, and I remember now because I had an interview with Chris Paisley, and he'd, he'd told me before you know announcing it that he'd actually been called by Tommy Fleetwood, and I think it was a little bit of a favor to Chris to try and help him. He knew that Chris was playing well on the European Tour, was trying to help him get their PGA Tour status, and, and they were close to it, right? I think uh, Paisley had a few chippings, so to me, that kind of... I, I like that because, you know, Chris Paisley was in great form then, but that's Fleetwood showing that he can do it with the upper echelons of world-class talent of, of Sergio Garcia and, and Chris Paisley, who was in good form but wouldn't be considering that same breath. So I think that Tommy Fleetwood's a, a really good play. Uh, and also he's been putting well. Was it, wasn't was he, like, first in putting or top 10 in putting or something recently? He's he's actually putting a lot better than, you know, he normally does, and that's going to help Garcia.
1: Gained eight strokes at Harburtown, so that's good. And And Sergio's been putting really well too. Yeah. Um, he's gained in four straight events three four five um consecutively and he won at country club of jackson which is just a, just a little bit north of this place i think he's he likes this type of uh area
0: yeah and I, th- I think that i think also just they're both streaky at passing anyway like even you know they generally look bad in contention and that seems to be their fault when they do go wrong but they can both flash with it so i think yeah i think Fleetwood's a really fleetwood and garcia is a really good pairing i like it don't like the price like you said but uh yeah i like fleetwood and garcia. Naturally on this show we talk a lot about peak performance and having a whole package when it comes to winning golf tournaments. But you know who else focus on these two areas as well? Manscaped. Manscaped took their lawnmower 4.0 product and put it together with all the necessary components to make the performance package 4.0. Including this package is the lawnmower 4.0, the Weed Whacker which takes care of nose and ear hair, the Crop Preserver and Crop Reviver which are essential for your balls and two free gifts including a premium wash bag and a pair of anti-chafing boxes. Now This set is normally $218 but it is $130 for a limited time only and with our 20% code LFW20 that will now be brought down even further to $104. In the UK this will be £96 instead of £120 and again the performance package 4.0 helps you and these elite golfers if they so wish stay in peak shape below the waist that is code LFW20 for 20% off site wide and free worldwide shipping on manscaped.com Joaquin Neiman and and Mito Pereira, we won't won't go through these all individually but I think that's going to be a popular pairing as well
1: very popular and I like it, I'm worried about the popularity it just seems like the flavour of the week which sometimes goes very well but most of the time doesn't Um, But I I do like them because you talked about the camaraderie and the, you know, the South African team is great. And the Australian team has been great. And, like, this team could be great. These guys are very
0: good friends. They hang out all the time uh, off the golf course. So I I like them. Okay, so there's two teams and they fit in the same bracket and we're skip- skipping a team here to talk about these, but Davis Riley and Will Zalatoris, or Joaquin Niemann-Mito Pereira both are going to be very popular because people are going to think that Riley's going to make those putts as Zalotouris doesn't, which I don't necessarily subscribe to, um, but they're going to have plenty of chances. But I guess both those teams are going to be popular. Which one would you go with with the price and everything uh, included?
1: I would take the Chileans uh, myself. I just think the ball striking there and I know that... I don't really trust Davis Riley yet uh, in terms of a player and I think Mito is ahead of him and I think I like Neiman better than Zalotaurus I just think they're the two better players
0: yeah I mean like when I think of like Piercy being picked up by Billy Horschel because Piercy was he wasn't quite a Zalotaurus region but he was ball striking was immaculate at that time and Horschel was such a good player like Riley isn't that kind of pick up they're gonna they are the best of friends they live with each other they pick each other up off the course so that is obviously an advantage, but don't know quite how that's going to play out and can be a little bit trappy. Um, you've got Taylor from Max Homer, and Harold Varner, Bubba Watson. I haven't got too much to say other than I guess Harold Varner's in good form. He beat Bubba Watson at the Saudi, and they seem quite friendly, so I guess that either led to that or they already you know, uh, had this camaraderie, but I think they're both going to play Saudi anyway, so um, interesting to see how those two teams play off, but I won't be able to either.
1: No, um, hey, last year when when Scotty played with Bubba, is that when Bubba, uh, is that when Scotty met Ted Scott?
0: That would make a lot of sense, right? Because yeah,
1: because it?
0: I because I think that I think they were going their separate ways anyway. Like Ted and, and not like because when I spoke to Ted before, like he was like I will stay with Bubba as long as he wants me. But I think Bubba's mentality's changed. I think he's looking to other things outside of golf, and I think Ted was kind of ready to either you know take a break himself or. He'd come out of retirement for a really good, you know, bag. And I guess that Scotty probably busted him up then, which makes a lot of sense. I didn't think about that.
1: Yeah. Um, so, I, yeah, I, I think they could be all right. Uh, Bubba's not really in the best of form. Um, I don't really trust Harold to make putts that he needs to make in, in clutch situations. No.
0: No, I don't. Uh,
1: so I think they're going to be popular bet. I'm going to be off them. But you didn't really give your opinion on the Chileans. I want to know, do you think they can win this thing?
0: Yeah, definitely. And I, th- okay. I think what it will be is that like that's gonna be the Mito's little coming out party that everyone's been waiting for It's gonna be in a team event and uh, you're gonna have all these other people going, know, yeah, it's just a Zurich classic and he's not he's not really broken through in the right way. So it's gonna be interesting. Like I, I think that Wacking can do his uh, do his friend a solid here because Pereira has been you know, he's been he's been good but he's not I guess lived up to pre season expectations. I don't know if that's fair or not. I guess
1: that's fair, yeah.
0: I guess he's been solid. Like I think he was actually better when he first came out as opposed to uh, the last few kind of weeks. I guess he's hopping back into form the last three weeks, top 27s. But um, yeah, I don't think he's quite lived up to it. So uh, I kind of skipped over a couple of guys there because I don't have too much to say on them. Then you've got the kind of British pairings of Tyrrell Hassan and Danny Willett and Graham McDowell and Seamus Power. Now, Graham McDowell played well last week and Seamus Powell has obviously been good this season. So that's an interesting pairing, I think. And good contrast of games.
1: I liked them. I like them a lot. Um, that was I was going to point them out as well. I think Power has some history here back in when this was an individ, when when this was a um, individual event. I think he might have a fourth place here if I'm not if I'm not wrong. Um, but Pete Dye, he, he was really good at uh at at uh, Austin Country Club and for the match play. So shorter Bermuda, Pete Dye, I mean that really should match up with with James Power pretty well and you saw a little bit of form from Graham,
0: but I can't say I trust him yet. I <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> definitely don't that's, trust him but that's the tough part he's good in this kind of thing i mean Power's actually because he, he went for a little slump i guess a mini slump you can call it three straight miscuts, cuts but it's coming back now right you know with the, the the players and the masters two strong finishes and okay in the match play and he's actually got a fifth and a tenth here in in his um you know pairings finishes as well so i think that's kind of uh interesting to see what Seamus power can do here but um yeah it, it's a tough one i mean actually in this range you talk about trying to get people to pick you up with a putter. Bradley and Steele can't pick each other up with a putter, but they do seem to play well together. Um, then I was kind of looking at Chris Kirk and Brendan Todd. I thought that was quite an interesting pairing.
1: Yeah, they can both putt um, shorter course where they both you know won't be overmatched in terms of driving distance. I think they'll be okay. Uh, yeah, I don't mind them. You know, you kind of skipped over Steele and um, Bradley, and that's one of my favorite teams here. Yeah, I, I bet them last year, and I bet a top five of them last year. They finished fourth, so they paid off on that, and... They're just almost identical in same terms guy. of the way they play. Literally the decisions.
0: same guy, and I, and I guess that's... Sometimes it works, and it seems to work with them, and that's kind of what I... But they just, I guess, because they haven't got that putter between them, that's why they can't win the event, I guess. But yeah. if you just need a top five and, and to get them in, I kind of like that, because they're both going to do what they do every year. Like, you, you know, Steel just plays the same event as well every year. Um, yep. Bradley's kind of the same. I, I
1: like them better than the Kirk and Todd. I think Kirk and Todd... Um... In terms of like birdie upside, and maybe they might be a bit more volatile, but with a little bit of a higher upside, yeah, I think. But I I prefer the um, the Steele and Bradley combo.
0: Yeah, I think I think they're probably they make more sense, right? And their their games are built on better foundations. I think it's probably the the kindest thing to say. I mean, where I think I'm sure passing and was in this range as well with JT Poston, who's obviously um, just kind of come off that decent finish at the Heritage.
1: They're right there. Yeah.
0: yeah, I don't know what to do with those guys. I think that I think that Kizar is striking the ball pretty well and posting can putt, so that would be uh, one that I would like as well. But one of the ones I did purposely skip, actually, and then just looking back at them, Benny Ann and Sung Ji in Benny and is playing some good golf again now. Uh Sung JM obviously played better at the Masters than I expected him to as well. So um yeah, back to back top twelve finishes for Benny Ann on the Corn Ferry. Uh he won the Sun Coast Classic. I think he's actually back on the PJ tour as of next year as well. I think that's all but guaranteed already. So um that could be an interesting pair.
1: I'd love to see it. I, I bet them last year they missed the cut. Um from what I remember. They oh, it's hard to trust Benny Ann right now. I, <laughs> I know he's I know he's playing well, but like God I, I, when I looked at the betting board, I was really hoping to see them at like 80 to one.
0: Yeah.
1: And I don't really understand Some why J doesn't allow 40. it, I
0: guess, but it's yeah.
1: 35, 40. It's like, oh, I don't know if I can get there and I, I can see them working here. Um, They're expensive. They're
0: expensive, but
1: um, I could definitely see it and I'm rooting for it. I'd love to see it, but I, they don't, they're definitely not safe.
0: In terms of the betting board, right. And this is the next team that I want to talk about is Keith Mitchell and Brent Snedeker is that Mitchell's been playing great early in the season struck the ball incredibly well both those guys can putt has had a bit of a resurgence she obviously mentioned him uh, I think it was last week on on the show that he was kind of having that little bit better form Um, and I think they can both pop in this format but they were like 50 to 1 and I was like you know Mitchell's been 50 to 1 on his own but Snedek has been like 400 to 1 and then you had like Doug Gim and Matthias Schwab around that same price as well in the betting odds and I just thought thought that was such a strange pairing I think the the betting odds this week are, are very very strange yeah, and it gets ugly. It gets ugly down here. Like,
1: even Snedeker was horrible last week. I was, I played him, and um, he let me down. Obviously, he was, yeah. he was horrific. Um, and tr- just before we skip over this, um, Hatton and Willett. Yep. Yeah. Hatton just too erratic right now. I
0: just, I don't know how much they care. Like, yeah. are they guys that are really gonna put the effort in? Like, if they have one bad day, Thursday or Friday, they're gonna bother. Um, yeah, it's, it's not for me. I, I just can't be bothered. Um, I don't need the the misery of Tyrrell Hatton. I'm already miserable enough. Right, right.
1: Um, Skipping that down now, we're in that 7K range. You talked about Mitchell and Seneca. Uh, Seabez and Swartzel, I know the South Africans had historically done well here. Charles has been pr- playing pretty well. He was good at the Masters. He was good again last week. I think he was fourth at the Masters in approach.
0: Yeah, yes. Yeah, it's um hat it was kind of looking like he was going to make me sort of eat my words at the, the Masters and then kind of trickle back down over the weekends to 44th. But, you know, we're now seeing... I hoped that Charles was going to take something from that Masters and he didn't quite kick on at the Heritage, but he was 54th. He was right next to Luke Donald, who we said... You know, it was interesting because we mentioned Willett, Stenson, Schwartzel and Donald last week as kind of like his old man resurgence, and they finished 51st, 54th, 54th and 56th. Like yep. they were, they were right next to each other in the best uh, in the uh, leaderboard. So, um, yeah, I, I don't know. I mean, I think for shorts all you'd hope he was going to be latching on to Louis Eustace, and apart from as opposed to uh, to C-Biz. but I can see it. I can see them making uh, an interesting run. The, t- the team next to them is Troy Merritt and Robert Streb. Um, I don't really remember Robert Streb doing anything in this kind of format, but Troy Merritt is playing some good golf at times, and I just thought that was an interesting pairing as well. I don't know where the origin is between those two. I
1: don't need – that was my kind of my question, looking at them. Like, are they the type of team that's going to kind of jive and, and play really well together? Um, Streb popped up a bit last week. I think, you know, he was kind of in the mix. At the, he kind of fell off towards the end. He finished in 42nd, but um, he's the type of guy who'd wanted a short Bermuda course. You know, obviously won the RSM Classic uh, – um, Mer- and merritt has been playing good. I-, I just don't have never seen anything from them in the team format, or and I don't know m- enough about them and, and how they'll kind of go together as a team to probably play them at 7,800. But I can see it.
0: I'm guessing Scott Brown and Kevin Kisner are just going to be too popular that we're just going to have to try and avoid them and hope that Scott Brown plays like Scott Brown does, apart from when he's paired with Kevin Kisner. Yeah, but
1: even when they won, he was playing a lot better than he is now, right?
0: Yeah. Yeah, I mean, but like he he seems to even when he's not playing well, he seems to elevate his game enough to be useful. Like he does. I don't know if he's just one of those guys that just doesn't apply himself enough, but when he's playing with kids, they just have a bit of fun and, and ride yeah. each other's coattails. But um, I'm assuming at the price range they're going to be popular.
1: Yeah, I would imagine they are, and I'm um, betting they're probably popular too. But, you know, kids disappointing last week, I think yeah. um, that's a place where he really should contend, and he just, he just can't. And I, I'm not a big fan of them anyway, so I'll be i don't, I got to be honest with you. I don't know who I like from this point on. I don't know if it's anybody
0: <laughs> in Red
1: 7,600.
0: I liked Paul Barjon and Tom Hoagie. They're like 7K. Uh, I think they're both TCU guys. Hoagie's obviously been doing some good stuff, but even that's evaporating a, a little bit. I was hoping that Sam Horsfield was going to get a better part of the, than Matt Wallace because I was hoping to see him on the PGA Tour, but that, that's a tough pull for him. I mean, maybe that works out and I eat my words, but I'm pretty much... Uh, a hater of matt wallace i think it's probably the official term um yeah it's, it is i mean we we said the 6k range is nasty i mean this isn't great either is it i mean the and and hostler no nah, i don't How i do, do not i don't know that i don't know <laughs> if that's just like okay we both need to event, enter this event and who's do they just does everyone enter as an individual and then go like if i don't have a partner draw me someone i don't know
1: i think Tagalog entered the tournament and he was looking around for someone to be his partner. And the, the last guy standing was Bo. He's like, sure, I'll take him.
0: <laughs> yeah, he'll do. He's played okay <laughs> recently. Um,
1: um, yeah, I don't know. No, I don't like them. I don't. Uh, how about Stallings and Garnett? They seem to play well at similar places.
0: Yeah, I mean, it's a it's a it's a team that does similar things, right? And I think Bryce Garnett is interesting on on course. courses, definitely. The other team I was interested in was was Hayden Buckley and Alex Smalling. I didn't know they knew each other from their time on the Corn Ferry Tour, obviously both played pretty good stuff last year before coming on, and they both kind of send it out there right at times. Hayden Buckley especially can, can get the ball moving. So, was it Smallley was second at the Corrales, and, and Hayden Buckley's been flashing sort of like all season long without actually completing four rounds. It gets incredibly dicey, like, very, very quick. I guess I'd probably go back to Uline and Wawenski and hope they can kind of rekindle what they did last year.
1: Yeah, that, that might be... a somewhat of a safe bet Lorensky um, was 72nd didn't make the cut last week um, but he wasn't horrible before that Valspar was 21st Valero, 42nd uh, you could you could try you could try with that um, I just someone I just went by somebody Redmond and Ryder I know they're very volatile but they both guys make a ton of birdies when they're when they're playing well and maybe uh, maybe they could be all right and then shank and Duncan Duncan had a great Sunday yesterday.
0: He did, and he does that those kind of courses. He seems to kind of follow, I think, Webb around a little bit on terms of, of courses that they like to play at. Um, it's ugly. Like, I think you want to be making your stances at the top of the board and making sure you can can fit out. I mean, if, if you can kind of... What do we do with, like, Alex Norrin and Norlander? Like, Norrin is doing some good stuff. Norlander isn't, but can flash... At any mm-hmm. time. I mean, even Norum was kind of disappointing last week at the Heritage 42nd. But um, the other team I saw there was, was Neesmith and Moore, which I thought was interesting in terms of a ball-striking perspective. But I don't know. Again, it's just one of those, like, when when you're at the top of the board, you know why these guys are playing well and, and with each other. And when it comes down to the bottom, you, you start to question how they kind of got together.
1: Yeah, it's very difficult because this week's in particular, it's because I f- I think the winner comes from 25 to 1 and below. Yeah. I really do. Um, and, I, and then you do want to kind of get two of those teams in because they're going to be the highest scoring teams. But if you do that, you really have to dip low. And if you dip low, these options are... Like in an in in event, when you're you know a single player event, you can find a reason to go on one of these guys. But when they're paired with somebody else who also has major, major questions, it makes it twice as hard to pull
0: the trigger. But it's like a lot of people would like Gary Kigo he seems to be a very popular name because of what he done at the Palmeiro last year, and he has been—he's been, He's been crap. awful. He's been so bad. Um, and Brandon Grace is certainly not in a good enough form to kind of pick him up. So I do like the fact that Higo can kind of just blast it out there and and kind of have a little bit of a safety net with Brandon Grace. Maybe that works. Um, but you know, I, you're literally guessing. Like I, that's the only thing I don't like about this event is like. There tends to be less logic than before. Like you can kind of spot the guys that played well before and put that to a test. And you know, there's guys that games complement each other, but I don't think we've got so much of like this season. It feels like people have just entered and, and found a partner as opposed to actually picking them logically.
1: Right. Uh, Hubbard and Bram. I think. I think for my favorite six K play, we should just put names in a hat and draw it up. Yeah, I think but... it's
0: Chris Powers on uh, Twitter. Just throws a dartboard for his oh, first yeah, round yeah. leaders. I think we'll just do something like that because. You know, you're you're coming down here now in in the territory of. I tell you, it'd be interesting, and and I need to check the form before I make a fool of myself. But we kind of kept talking about Jonathan Bird at the start here. He's playing with Chess and Hadley. No, they're not playing well enough. But but they've kind of both had their own resurgences left, right, and centre. Um, whether they mm-hmm. can kind of, I don't know if I'd want to rely on them as a team. But um, if if you're really stuck with people in the six K range, maybe there are two that can tail off some good vibes between the two of them. Yeah, yeah. Um, I want to say
1: Chesson was involved. Speaking of Pal- Palmetto, I think that's when he kind of was in the mix. That's when he leaked complete oil. Yeah, right? yeah. <laughs>
0: yeah,
1: yeah. Um, he's a birdie guy, though, you know. And um, yeah,
0: I guess that's that's the best you can say about him. So, what is to to kind of put, this is a little bit for me and a little bit for listeners as well. What is the advantage? There is no advantage to playing either one of the pairings over the other. Like, there's no reason to play Lowry over Poulter.
1: There is, there is indistinguishable they're exactly the same so they're going to be priced the same one just says Pavin morikawa the other one says morikawa hovland the points will be the same the price is the same there's no difference so you're it's, picking six unique teams
0: it's it's crazy right i mean it, it, it's really strange because when you actually go on the desktop here i have to pick each player individually but when you look on the on the on the app they're kind of put as pairs so
1: so when uh, you when you're on the desktop and you're picking individually when you pick one guy does that does his, does his partner get eliminated no it's still there. Still there. For me too. Um, I'm I'm doing it on the app and I'm picking. It's it's allowing me to pick both guys from the same team. So I think they're gonna have to fix that or figure it out. But it's not. You know, I will say this too. Um, I, I'm gonna play about thirty percent as mu- as much money as I usually play per
0: week. I, if I did not do these podcasts with you and the the podcasts I'm doing for the betting show, I would not be even wagering on this event. I do it because I enjoy talking to you, and as we talk, I kind of get a little bit of vibes for it, and I like the consistency of the podcast to make sure we do each show. But I do not have a feel for this type of thing.
1: Are you like me, where you can't write or talk about something without betting it? Like if I, if yeah, I'm saying, I feel fraudulent.
0: It feels fraudulent to do it.
1: I've been like, I, so I, I recently started doing a first round leader column because I filled in for somebody who was no longer there, and. Um, I used to not even bet first round leaders, but now I have to because I can't let it hit and me not be a part of it.
0: That is exactly what happened to me when I was at Ozchecker, right? They, they said to me, do you want to do first round leader? Ask and I was like, look, I don't bet the first round leader, but I'll give it a go. And then as I was, I used to call it kind of a lottery and it still is, of course. But the more I looked into it, the more I was like, actually, I'm seeing patterns here and it, there is a lot of sense that you can make. And all of a sudden you do get quite excited about your bets. You know, like, all of a sudden you're like, I do want those first round leader bets on and I can't miss out. Um so, yeah, I mean, it, it, it's really tough. It, it's tough to do. But I've just put a lineup together while we've been talking. So I've got uh, Billy Horshaw and Wacky Neiman at these, the the two price heavy guys Bills out of Taurus, Keith Mitchell, Tom Hoagie, Peter Uline with $100 left on the table. So, yeah, so, yeah, I like that. So, I mean, I,
1: I agree with you that I guess the 6K play that we're both going to have to probably use is the Uline Rowensky one and just hope they find it because everything else is a shot in the dark and that's a shot in the dark too but at least you're going off of something that's all like most they, ha-
0: they have a past right like that is, that is what I'm just trying to scroll down here because I think anyone that's had any kind of life here hasn't really been left in the 6Ks I mean Nick Watney's had some form here over the years um, I guess is he playing with Charlie Hoffman yep so they've they've both played okay here in the past 5th, ninth, and 11th in three of their four starts here so Maybe that's a safe play. Maybe you can call that a safe play, but they're, neither of those guys are who they normally are. And Hoffman
1: just has been bad for so long. Terrible. I know we flashed a couple of times, but um, so last year we had Leishman, Smith. Okay, let's see. Anybody? And I'm scrolling down. Anyone? Tom Lewis, Peters. They're not playing. Um, yeah, St- Stallings and Garnett were T11 last year. Yeah, who Maybe was them.
0: it? Schenk was with Ryder. Was that right?
1: Oh, Duncan. They're T11 as well. That's I probably like that. that's probably the
0: team. Yeah, Duncan coming off a hot round. Yeah, I'm gonna write that down. As I said to you before we came on here, I think this is kind of uh, talking it through as well as much as us having loads prepared because I thought it was really hard. I mean, we, the pricing only just came out as we went live. Um, it was it was really hard to kind of establish where we're going to go in this direction. I think we've just given some thoughts on the guys, given you kind of ideas of how to to tailor your teams, but. Um, like you said, Matt, I think probably proceed with caution in this event and don't get too invested.
1: Yep, and last one I'll say, T17, I mentioned them a little bit. Redmond and Ryder, I think they're okay yeah. too.
0: Yeah, I think I think that's fine. You know, that's the same as where like Gooch finished last year. So, you know, the, I think it's not like the QBE where it's kind of a limited field. It's sort of a big field where you know, that you can get these guys that finish in the top 20 to make a difference. So um, I do like the Stallings-Garnett. I think that both of those can kind of flash any time. Stallings was in a private chat last week, so maybe that's a great that's a great sign. Maybe he's mm-hmm. uh, feeling good about himself. But uh, other than that, yeah, it, it, it's tough to really nail down what we're doing. But I like what we've spoken about. It's, it's made me actually want to have a bet on it, which is nice. Um, and we'll uh, look forward to next week, which is, what do we got next week?
1: Mexico. I'm, I'm still trying to figure out the field. I feel like this close to it we've usually got a better idea of who's playing but all i yeah. know so far are rom answer and um ortiz are the only guys i know who are playing
0: yeah i mean we're, we're, i'm sure we'll get something quite soon I mean, i'm assuming that'd be a decent event in the end um but that'd be that'd be cool to see that because it's it's not a wgc this time is it it's mexico championship as opposed yeah. to um it, i think it's the first time they've had a regular field event there it might be a terrible event just to to your point it it could be all right but it might also suck too so i I hope it's all right yeah i mean i'm I'm, i don't want another back to back week of bad events so hopefully it's a better event um matt thank you as everybody i think this is a true labor of love when you're talking about the Jura classic on the pj tour um so they're the sacrifices we make to talk about the better weeks
1: yep absolutely i'll see you next week